Welcome to Everyday Strong, the podcast that teaches parents, teachers, and other caring adults how their everyday loving actions can help their teens cope with anxiety and depression. Hi, everyone. I am here today with Kelly Stout, who is an LCSW who works for the Children's Justice Center, which is an incredible organization in our community that helps care for children who have been abused. And we've had Kelly on before, and we have her back now because we just love talking to her and hearing about her expertise. So, Kelly, thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you so much. It was great last time. I'm excited to be back. So That's awesome. So today we wanted to talk about trauma. Um, it's interesting because when I'm out in the community and I'm teaching about Everyday Strong, sometimes the people that I'm teaching, I can tell they feel a little bit overwhelmed because they're like, well, I don't know the child's whole background. And so how can I possibly help them if I don't know the situation? But Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting with trauma, right? Because you don't always have to have the whole story in order to be helpful. Is that true or accurate? Absolutely true. Um, You know, we work with a lot of families and even before I came to the um, Justice Center, I I worked with families like a lot of foster care situations and and they don't know, they don't know that history. And um, and it's hard. You always feel like you need to know, but um, you really don't um, because you're, you're working with that child and each child is different. And so it's not a, you know, one size fits all (laughs) when it comes to trauma. And and so you're working with whatever symptoms they have or behaviors, you know, that's what I call behaviors. They're just symptoms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, you know, each child is unique. So no matter what their trauma is, you're going to see those same types of, of situations and symptoms and emotional issues. And so just knowing how to work with that is really all you need and just having care for that child. So Yeah. Okay, so I think this word trauma gets thrown out, thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How would yeah. you as a clinician define trauma? Um, you're right. It does get thrown around a lot. And basically, you know, there's different definitions, obviously, but basically trauma is just a um, an emotional response to something very difficult that's happened, whether it be abuse or a natural disaster or some kind of an accident or something that was strong enough that, it was beyond your capability of being able to handle that. Um, and that's going to be different for everyone. You know, some people handle a situation well, they've got some good coping skills and good support, and others may not, and they, they don't do well with it, and it stays with them longer. So it it's just something that's beyond your capability of handling it emotionally. So Yeah, something I'm thinking a lot about lately, too, is, you know, in Everyday Strong, we often talk about the importance of like one caring adult helping you through your trauma. And it seems like so often, like, um, I don't know if this is totally clinically accurate, but kind of my understanding is that sometimes it's like a lack of resource, right? Like a lack of like, that's like kind of a weird word to use, but like an emotional support that just, like, like I've been told that people, like the same thing can happen to different people. And some people, some people will be able to cope and some won't. And that mm-hmm. kind of depends on, the support that they're getting and a bunch of factors like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, a big, in the work that we do, you know, when we're dealing with uh, children and, and abuse situations, 
is, and I also work with adults who were abused as children, you know, and, and still struggling with it. And a big factor is, um, one, is if they were validated, you know, when mm -hmm. they did tell their story, were they validated? Were they believed? Were they supported? You know, mm -hmm. did they get the help that they need? And those, especially those caregivers, those ones that they would turn to and feel like, mm -hmm. oh, this is my safe person. And if that person doesn't believe them or doesn't help them, then that shame and all of that comes on even harder. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. also if there's a poor attachment, you know, with those caregivers, if you don't have that strong attachment, um, then a lot of times they don't open up at all, you know, and, mm -hmm. they, and they just carry it and they've carried that shame through their life and don't talk about it until way later. So that's a huge, um, you know, factor in it. So definitely. Yeah. What can be the impact like if when people like physically, mentally, if they just carry this their whole life? Yeah. Um, I mean, unfortunately it can be a big impact in, in people's lives. Um, you know, I, in different ways, right. Um, we see symptoms in children that physical symptoms would be um, illnesses, um, appetite issues, sleep issues. Um, sometimes they'll have headaches or, you know, feel sick. Like they always have a tummy ache, you know, and that anxiety piece um, those types of things acting out, you know, emotional, uh, uh, many times they're regressed, you know, mm -hmm. in their emotional age. Um, they have fears. They are hypervigilant. Uh, they might have mood swings and outbursts. Um, they might have flashbacks or nightmares. A lot of kids mm -hmm. have nightmares. Um, it affects relationships uh, as they get older. Like these uh, adults that I work with, they have trust issues and, and they really struggle in relationships because they don't feel safe, you know, and mm -hmm. um, don't know how to trust people. Um, they behaviorally, like what you might see in school or, you know, in classroom settings and things like that, they, they struggle with focus. Um, they might dissociate. Um, they they might engage in risky behaviors, um, self harm, mm -hmm. those types of things, even sexual you know behaviors. They have poor social skills. I mean, they go. You can just go on and on you know, mm -hmm. with the different things, and it doesn't mean they're going to have all of those. It's just those mm -hmm. are the th types of things that we see. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if we've got a child, like maybe let's make it like. A little more specific like I'm thinking mm -hmm. about like kids that I knew growing up right who just were kind of known as like maybe the bad kids in the class yeah, right yeah, um right. what are some signs like I'm thinking like if I'm a teacher that maybe this isn't just a simple like you know rewards and consequences kind of situation like what are some signs that it might be good to approach this child with a more trauma-informed approach um you know, I believe the world should all be trauma-informed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's just my motto. <laughs> Everyone should be trauma-informed. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we all, even if we haven't had a horrific, terrible event, we still go through hard things. And I think mm -hmm. that being able to look at another person and see that they're they're off in some way emotionally or you know you're seeing these behaviors and being able to um, look at them as like what Bruce Perry would say um, mm -hmm. what happened to you instead of what's wrong with you mm -hmm. um, it, it's it's huge and 
in all situations, even just in our families and, you know, our, our relationships and being able to look at that. Because so often we think, oh, what is your problem? We look at those behaviors and, and mm-hmm. attribute it to them, you know, pers- their personality rather than, whoa, just what just happened? Something mm-hmm. changed and, and your mm-hmm. behavior changed. What's going on? And, mm-hmm. and addressing it that way. I think if we looked at other people that way, it would make a huge difference, not only in trauma situations, which, yes, that's definitely important, but just in relationships in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes, especially like I'm thinking about, I, I used to work at, um, at a daycare when I was 20. And there was this little girl who, um, which is sort of known to be quote unquote, like out of control. Right. And like, she would like run, like literally run all over the classroom. Like she would like take the phone off the hook and like call the front desk, like would be like throwing things like, like over, like, like touching the other kids. And like the harder you came down on her, the more yeah. she would do this kind of behavior. Right. Yes. Um, yes. So like, obviously just like, you know, giving her more of a talking to like, just like telling her, like, you're not going to be able to do X, Y, or Z, like didn't work. So like, what would a no. trauma informed approach look like? And maybe in that situation. Exactly. Um, you know, <laughs> I could, I can give you, this brings to mind a great story, but mm-hmm. um, first of all, let me validate what you're saying. It's, mm-hmm. it's what you're saying is so true because the more you try to control them, mm-hmm. you know, because what you're seeing with this child is they've got something going on inside of them that they don't know how to express. And the younger mm-hmm. it is, you know, mm-hmm. the more they, they don't have the words for it. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. going to come out in their behavior because they don't know how to handle it. They don't yeah. know how to express it. They don't know how yeah. to talk about it. They don't yeah. even understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so the more you try to contain it, the harder it is for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and an example of that is, I, I think back to um, a little guy that I was working with, and he he was very much that type, you know, what mm-hmm. you explained, was the one that would have these emotional outbursts at school, and he would get angry, and he would, you know, just really struggled. And and he had a lot of trauma, you know, in his past. And, um, and I think I, good ex- this is a good example of maybe not understanding what trauma-informed means, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he got upset in the classroom and started throwing uh, the desks and things like that. And, you know, obviously was not... It was not appropriate behavior at all and was putting other kids at risk. And so um, the teacher took the classroom out, you know, and they and they had somebody else come in and be with him in the room um, so he could just, you know, get this out. And so mm-hmm. he was he stayed in the room and then the teacher taught the class out in a different area. And um, I it just so happened that I met with him his regular session that afternoon after school so i heard about all of this and and we did a lot of talking he felt really bad um he doesn't said i don't know why i did it it just i got mad you know Mm -hmm. just didn't understand we talked it out he wrote a letter of apology he felt really bad and he was ready to take it back and to apologize to his teacher and to his classmates and when he got there the next day um there were donuts um, for all the kids, because they had to be out of their classroom and they, you know, they did so well that they received donuts, all except for him. Oh, 
And so what happened was he threw another fit, you know, because, right. and, and I, and I'm not blaming, I'm not saying, Oh, that's a horrible teacher. It's just, she didn't understand. She didn't mm-hmm. understand. And, and I took the opportunity to go to the school and sit down with them. And we really talked about it and things like that to, to, to kind of help, um, help them to understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, you know, that made a difference, but, but so that's what we do. We, we, we tend to punish and we tend yeah. to, you know, you should know better. And, and they don't, they don't understand and we end up doing things that make it worse rather than better. So I think validation, um, you know, looking outside of that personality of that child and what can I do to help? Yeah. It's just huge. You know, I really love that story so much for a few reasons. And one of them is that, like, I love that there was still, um, like, I think sometimes, like, when I talk about, for example, emotional safety, people are like, well, that, are you just saying, like, let them get away with murder? <laughs> let them do whatever they want, <laughs> right? Or, like, right. in this situation, like, well, it's just, like, fine, like, if he just, like, throws things, because we understand why he does. And, like, there's still an element where he has to do his part in the relationship right. to apologize and try to repair. Right. But, like, that moment, you know, where, like, we just don't realize how every child in that situation was trying their best, including and maybe especially him, because it doesn't look the way we expect yeah. trying your best to look like, right? Yeah, right, right. Oh my gosh, that poor Definitely. little boy. Yeah. Every child needs to feel seen and heard. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And and so when we focus so much on these behaviors, that's not happening. You know, mm-hmm. They're not feeling understood. They're not feeling supported. Mm. Um, it just increases the shame and blame. And mm-hmm. so it just tears down that trust and that support mm-hmm. that they need. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like, you know, so something about this that I think is also difficult is that this is very much a long game. <laughs> Oh, yeah. uh, like it's not it's not going to be like oh I just like did this one thing and now the child never throws things anymore right <laughs> wouldn't um, that be nice yeah. <laughs> talk to me about like why might I want to consider this like long-term approach like what's the benefit for the child right I mean for one the short-term approach doesn't work <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean so that's that's one point it just mm-hmm. doesn't um, I think being patient um, and understanding that healing takes time and it's going to be different for each person. Some mm-hmm. are able to do that and figure that out, you know, sooner than others. Some yeah. it might take, you know, their whole life, um, you know, just slowly getting better and better. Um, but I think it's just being an understanding of that because if you fight against it and you give up, it's, it's only going to be worse and mm-hmm. it's not going to help you. It's not going to help the child. And it's just going to cause this, you know, especially if it's your child in your home, it's going to mm-hmm. cause, um, you know, all sorts of, of trust issues and, and they're not going to feel safe and, and the behaviors are going to get worse. It'll ramp mm-hmm. up either that or they will just absolutely shut down, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to just to be patient with it, being able, I think a part of that is doing your own work you mm-hmm. know, and, and learning how to cope with that, learning your own coping skills to be able to calm and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, act 
instead of react, you know, mm-hmm. and being purposeful in your actions, mm-hmm. that creates um, safety for the child. It creates mm-hmm. predictability for the child. Mm-hmm. They know how you're going to respond mm-hmm. and they can trust that you can hold it. Because mm-hmm. if you can't hold it, how are they supposed to hold it? Mm-hmm. You know, they, it's, wow, if, you know, my caregiver can't handle this then there's no way I can Mm -hmm. it just makes it worse Um, and your your attachment is just going to decrease and you know you're not going to have a relationship you know so talk to me a little bit about like when you say like you know showing that you can hold it like Mm -hmm. what does that look like practically like like how Mm -hmm. do you do that in your life (laughs) probably (laughs) Probably not better than I used to, probably not as uh-huh. good as I always should. But uh-huh. I think it's it's there there's this tiny little moment, you know, when something happens between that event and be, and your response. You uh-huh. So often if we're reacting, we're not acknowledging that moment. We're just acting, you know, reacting uh-huh. to whatever happens and uh-huh. and that might not be in control. If we can acknowledge that little moment to say okay wait a minute you know whatever I'm about to do or say is it going to build up that child or is it going to you know our relationship or is it going to break it down and I know that's hard I know because you know we just respond sometimes if we respond in a, a manner that maybe wasn't the best then there's still time to sit down when everybody's calm and say you know what (laughs) I am so sorry. I didn't handle that well. And I apologize. And can we do this over? And let's talk. You know, I think it's just always considering that relationship and considering how your response affects that other person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and knowing that we're going to make mistakes, but we can also go back and apologize. We can also, you know, repair. Um, but just take a breath, you know, and and remember, whatever you say or do, is it going to validate them? Is it going to help them? Or is it just, you know, going to be a mess? Uh, I think also um, respond, if, if both of you are in, if, if you look at the polyvagal theory, you know, the when we're in our green, green zone, that's when we're tolerating well, we can learn and, you know, mm-hmm. and respond well. And then you've got your red zone and your blue zone, which is either hypervigilant and really emotionally charged or shut down. If you're if that child or any, either of you are in the red or blue zone, neither one's going to respond well. Neither one's going to learn anything. It's not going to happen. So it's like, okay, everybody, let's let's take a breath. Let's calm down. If they're not able to do it right then, then it's let's wait. Let's just you know, get everybody back to that green zone before you even address the consequences mm-hmm. or the learning part or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah. that's huge. <clears throat> well, tell me what you think about this. Like as you're talking and you're talking about like, you know, is this going to validate the child? Is this going to build them up? You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking a lot about this um, experience I had with one of my nephews last summer. I believe he was like, eight at the time mm-hmm. um and I only see him about once a year maybe twice a year um they came we went to the pool and he was like 
everywhere. Like I could not keep track of him. At one point I like straight up lost him. And like, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to like, this child's going to drown or get kidnapped. Like, what am I going to do? And so I like pulled him over and I was like, like Fallon, like I need you to sit down and like, 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 let's have a conversation. Like, like you're not in trouble. I just need to like talk to you. Mm -hmm. Like, and I had him like really close to me physically and like, Mm -hmm. he wouldn't make eye contact. And he just like, was just like totally shut down. I was trying to have what I thought was like a safe, open conversation. Um, And what I've learned since then is that one, first of all, he's diagnosed with ADHD. And I think he's used to like that moment when an adult pulls him aside that like, even though I was saying you're not in trouble, yeah. he's used to that meaning right. that he is in trouble, right? Right, yeah. And so what I started doing with him instead is like, before we get to the pool, when he's not in this space where he's like running around like crazy, mm-hmm. I have that conversation, usually with him in the backseat of the car, where mm-hmm. he doesn't mm-hmm. have to look me in the eye. It's actually mm-hmm. like lower stakes contact, right? Um, and what this is making me think of is that I think sometimes like in our best efforts to like be loving, to like respond the way we would want to be responded to. It's not always like our first instinct. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I do. Yeah. 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 And, but see, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Talking to them ahead of time mm-hmm. when they're mm-hmm. in their green zone, when they're, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. excited mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. all open and listening mm-hmm. and yay we're gonna mm-hmm. do this and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it's fun and and so then establishing those okay here's here are the, the mm-hmm. I don't know, like mm-hmm. wanna call them rules but you know here's what we're gonna do here's the yeah. plan you know yes. yes and and establishing that right from the beginning mm-hmm. I think also uh um to avoid outbursts and frustrations mm-hmm. when they're really tired and everything. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't just make sudden changes. So it's not like, okay, mm-hmm. out of school, we're going home, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. 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 Okay. We got 15 yeah. more minutes, you know, uh-huh. or giving them choices. Do you want to, yeah. you know, stay in the pool for another, mm-hmm. however long, or should we mm-hmm. get ready and leave and go get a treat on the mm-hmm. way home, you know, and letting yeah. them choose and those yeah. types of things. Um, I also think a big factor that I have learned and I love this is just when they're when they're out of you know sorts and just really struggling emotionally to being able to calmly ask them what do you need right now to feel better what can I do to help you feel better right now you know just mm-hmm. one step it could just mm-hmm. be do you need a drink do you need a snack do you mm-hmm. you know need some breaths let's breathe mm-hmm. together just the smallest thing. What do you need right now to start mm-hmm. feeling better? That's validating. That's showing that you're there supporting them. That's you want to help them and you're not turning away from them. They're not bad, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And this so, goes very much yeah. into our everyday strong model of, you know, try to meet the child's needs in order to build resilience. And I remember I got feedback a couple months ago from someone who took the class and they, they said, I feel like the instructor was just saying like, just give them a snack and they'll be fine. <laughs> and I wish I knew who, you know, it's anonymous feedback, but I wish I knew who that yeah. person was because yeah. I wanted to tell them that it's not about like, just give someone a snack. Like the snack is like showing that you care about their well-being. you yeah, know, exactly. yeah. that you're trying to like tune into what they need and what they want and like who they are. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, I remember somebody talking about this and I thought that this is just ingenious how we talk about, you know, give, give, taking a load, a loaf of bread to our neighbors, you know, we, mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. kind of old time mm-hmm. standard mm-hmm. thing, you know, making bread. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing somebody say that, you know, 
we think of, I mean, food is a basic need mm-hmm. to survive. And mm-hmm. bread is kind of that basic food. Yeah. Know? And how when we give bread or take a meal or give Mm -hmm. a child a snack, you're actually giving them something that sustains them physically. Mm -hmm. That's a physical need. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you're, you're attending to those basic needs that are, that have to come first. You have to meet those needs Mm -hmm. before you can get into these higher levels. So it's not a treat. It's not rewarding them. I know a lot of Mm -hmm. parents say, but I'm just rewarding them for their behavior. No, that's not it. Not if you're looking at it as in what do they need right now Mm -hmm. to calm down. Yeah, it's not like, oh, you just like threw something. So then you get like a piece of candy. It's like, like, are you kind of feeling like, you know, like you need a little bit of something to like raise your blood sugar, right? Like it's a totally different approach from what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Or if they're tired, you know, how often mm-hmm. do we, you know what? I've had it. Just go to bed. Just uh-huh. go to your room and go to sleep. <laughs> well, what if we said, it seems like you're really tired. How about if we just kind of lay down and relax for a while? Then all of a sudden that rest is a reward. Mm-hmm. I, not a reward. It, it's it's a filling a need rather mm-hmm. than a punishment, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's all in how you look at it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so much this draws me back to what you were saying at the very beginning about how Trauma is often the result of, um, you know, just like not being seen, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. not being believed. And when someone looks at me and they can just say like, I can tell you're having a really hard time. And I like, I see that. And I want you to have a less hard time. Uh, (laughs) Like that, that is, I mean, that's not, that's like a very direct result of some of the best research we have on how to heal trauma, I think, even though it's so small and so simple. I think, too, um, when you work with children, a big part is helping them to find ways to succeed. Set them up for Mm -hmm. success, not Mm -hmm. for failure. If you Mm -hmm. know that certain Mm -hmm. situations or certain activities are are hard for them, Mm -hmm. then don't always force them to be in that situation because Mm -hmm. they're going to, they're not going to be able to succeed well, and then it's Mm -hmm. just going to, you know, increase the shame and, and, and that lowered self, you know, confidence and, Mm -hmm. but you can empower them by promoting things for them to do that, you know, they can do, or Mm -hmm. giving them a time frame, you know, they can do it in this amount of time. And that way you can praise them, you know, and you can Mm -hmm. just, wow, look at how well you did. And why not? Why not set that up? You know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Should I keep that cough until you finish your sentence? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Um, I should have talked longer. No, 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 no. You're totally good. Um, Okay. Um, All right. So I want to ask, like, I'm going to ask like a kind of final question about what you like about your job. I'll rewind and say that for real. Um, But okay. Kelly, thank you. Before you do, I was just—I love the quote that uh, quote this information that you have um, by Dr. Kaylin Soma. um, Mm -hmm. That I just feel like it says it all. um, Where she says, "Remind everyone, the child is not his or her behavior." 
typically there is something underneath that's driving that to happen. So be sensitive. Ask yourself, I wonder what's going on with that kid rather than saying what's wrong with the kid. That's a huge shift in the way we view kids. I just, that says it all. I mean, it was just such a great way to put it in a short little <laughs> paragraph that if we, that's being trauma-informed. If we can look at people that way, then we're, we're doing much better. Yeah, that's lovely. Pausing for a second. So yeah, I think that's actually a great quote to end on if you're cool with that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So we'll cut that part out where I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. No, that's um, fine. Okay. Oh, Kelly, I love that quote. Like, it's such a, it's such a good note to end on. Thank you so much for being here today. I, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It's always so much fun to be doing this with you. So you know that. <laughs> yeah. If this episode resonated with you, you can check out our free resilience handbooks and online learning at www.everydaystrong.org. These tools tell you exactly what you can do to help the kids in your life feel safe, connected, and confident. You can choose to create a relationship with your children that will help them to learn to be resilient, regardless of the challenges life throws their way.